Hello, good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, as we were singing that last song, this is my father's world. Some days it's harder to believe that than others, but did any of y'all drive on university this morning? I mean, the flowers were, I mean, the flowers, the, the leaves were just spectacular. It was awesome. Uh, my name is Matt. If we haven't met, I'm on staff here at New Denver Church, and I don't know how I got the nickname of Man Candy, but it's stuck for this long, so I guess we'll keep going with it. Um, if you're new to New Denver, if you guys have, have missed the last few weeks, uh, we're actually in the middle of a sermon series on the life of David. David was this really important figure in the Old Testament. He did a lot of things good, and he sadly did a lot of things really bad. But we think it's important to, to look and see what David did, the good and the bad, and see what we can glean from this. Last week, Norton preached on and he set up the story of David is currently in the wilderness. David has been anointed to be king. Uh, he's next in line to the throne, but right now there's this guy named Saul. And Saul is the king, and he's really worried of David. He's nervous, so he's actually pursuing David, trying to kill him, because he feels threatened by David. So David is hiding in the wilderness, and he's there for a long time. He's not there for a couple months. He's not there for a year. He's probably there for about a decade, hiding out in exile in the wilderness for probably as most likely his whole 20s. In the wilderness, David's really doing two things as we touched upon last week. He's waiting for God. He's seeing what God's doing. He wants God to come and he knows that he's going to be the appointed king, but it's not time yet. We went over a story last week of David had an opportunity to actually kill Saul and get him out of there and he could be king, but he decided to wait for the Lord. And he's also watching for God. He's looking and seeing what is God doing in Israel? What's he doing in his own life? What's he doing in the life of Saul? David is in the wilderness. He's there for about 10 years. And I think a question that we really need to ask is, what kept David going in the wilderness? He was there for a very long time. He's the anointed king of Israel, yet he's hiding in caves and has to get his water from a river, a stream trickling somewhere. What keeps David going in his time in the wilderness? And the question is, what keeps you going in your time of the wilderness too? What keeps you going when life hits the fan, right? When, when things get really hard, maybe through COVID, you, you've lost someone that you love. When things are really hard for you right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a semester, uh, like I am right now, and, th- semester, uh, and the assignments and readings keep piling up and you feel like you don't have time to do anything. Maybe you have a young kid who's, w- who's waking up four times in the middle of the night and you guys just want to take a nap. Or maybe you're someone that wants to have kids, but that's not happening right now. What happens when we go through these wilderness times in our own life? For me, one of the the craziest wilderness experiences I've ever been is I was a freshman in college and I went to school down in Phoenix in Grand Canyon University. If you guys didn't know, Arizona is real hot in the summer. Uh, In the last week of August, me and five other friends, so six of us, decided to go camping pretty last minute uh, in these mountains called the Superstition Mountains. So we load up, we go, and we start. It's about a four-mile hike to the top. We decide we're going to get up to the top, camp out, and sleep there. And it's 98 degrees when we start our hike. And we each brought about two of these. So we didn't have any water. We came very well prepared, as you can see. Uh, A couple 18-year-old boys really thinking things through. So we have this firewood. We have our backpacks. We have our minimal water. And we start the trek up. It's pretty high vert. It's really hot. And by the time we're about three-fourths of the way there, my vision starts to go. I start to get a migraine. If any of you guys have ever had a migraine, you know how terrible it is seeing this weird aura. You can't see straight. And I know once I see this aura, I have about 30 minutes till it's done. Like there's no, we can't do anything about it. 
So it's, the sun's beginning to set. We're three-fourths of the way there. We have to just keep on going to the top. We can't turn back. So we thankfully are able to go. We get to the top of the mountain. We set up our camp. Everything goes wrong. My head starts pounding. I start to lay down, and I throw up. Uh, in total, throughout the night, I threw up and dry heaped 32 times. That's a lot, if you guys didn't know. <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Um, we didn't, I couldn't eat any food. I couldn't keep anything out. I actually started hallucinating, thinking that bees were stinging my head. That happens. You can ask my poor wife. She's seen it. It was dreadful. So I'm stuck up here with these five guys throughout the night. And somehow we make it through the night, and I get up, and we, we have to start descending down. Man, I don't have any water in my system. I don't have any food in my system. I'm exhausted. And as we started to descend down, there were these guys that I didn't know that well from South Dakota. And even though they only brought two of these and it was really hot and they were struggling, they saved their water for me. They, as we were going down the mountain, I had to stop really frequently because I didn't, was super weak. I didn't have any energy. And they're the ones that waited for me. We got down the mountain. Everything was okay. And for me, what got me through this weird wilderness experience was, was community. It was the people around me that got me through this really, really trying time. And I think this is the same thing for David. David was able to get through this decade of living as an exile, hiding for his life because of the people that he had around him. Let's, let's look at who David has around him. Uh, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says this, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. This is where the story last week happened of David and King Saul and Adullam at the same exact place. Uh, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontent gathered around him, and he became their commander. Around 400 men were with him. When David was in exile, he, he really had two groups of people that joined him. One was his family. I know that when we were going through our wilderness, we either think of family joining us as a really good thing or eh, maybe not. We, we had some difficult family dynamics. And I think for David, it was the latter. He had some, some challenging family dynamics. Some of the few times that we see David is when all of his brothers are together, they're joined and they're, they're lined up and they hear that this prophet's coming. They're going to anoint one of them as king. He doesn't pick any of his brothers. He picks David, who's out in the field. There's some animosity there, right? And next, another story is when all of his brothers are there fighting the Philistines, and Goliath is there, and this snot-nosed kid named David shows up, kills Goliath, and is the hero. Is any big brother? You never want your little sibling to be the hero, right? There's, there's some tension that's happening here in the story. And we don't know why his, his family joins him. Maybe they believe in David and he's going to be king, or maybe they're scared that Saul's not going to find David and he's going to start coming after them. We don't know their intentions, but, but regardless, they join him. And the next group that we see that has joined David is not really the cream of the crop, right? <laughs> they're these people who are distressed. They're in massive debt to people. They're discontent. In, in Hebrew, the word discontent there really means they are bitter with their entire lives. They're so calloused. Life has hit them hard. And they're really calloused, and they're really hurt, and they join David in the wilderness because maybe they think he could be king one day and we could finally think he'll be okay. When you think of the king of Israel, you think that he's probably joined by the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Remember, he's the anointed king of Israel. When you think of the king, you probably think of someone joining you like this. 
the, the best, right? The, someone who is a master at their trade, the goat, if you will. He's better than LeBron James, I'm sorry. But he, is, he truly is the best of the best in all that he does. That's who you think is going to be with the king. You think that person's going to be on his team. In reality, though, he had someone like this. <laughs> someone who looks like they really shouldn't be there. Someone who doesn't really know what they're doing. When, when we think of David in exile, he doesn't have LeBron James. He has, well, he has me, right? He has this guy. Yet, these are the people that has sustained David in the wilderness. These people who you would have never thought, these people who are the downtrodden, the destitute, the lowest of the lows. These are the people that David shared a meal with every day. Who tended animals, who fetched water, who ran away from King Saul and tried to survive together. Can you imagine the, the bond that you would have? The rejected people that David would have never ever thought to be his community turned up being his community and helping him survive in the wilderness. And sometimes the people that we have in our life are not the people that we would think, not the people that we would even necessarily want to be in our lives. For me, this person, um, his name is Drew. Drew and I knew each other in high school. Uh, and in high school, really our freshman year, I hated Drew. He was the only enemy that I had in school. And like high school, it was about a girl, right? We both liked the same girl. Um, and when you're 15, that's all that really matters in life, right? So I didn't like Drew. We had this animosity towards each other. And one day we were, I was invited to this birthday party in between the, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. And this was a time before I had a cell phone. No, it's crazy, right? I was invited to this birthday party that I didn't really know the guy that well. And when I got dropped off there, I couldn't call home because I couldn't contact my parents. So I was stuck there for the night. Drew uh, in the same boat didn't really know too many people there. And there was a volleyball net. So we started playing volleyball together. As we played volleyball, I began to realize this guy isn't too bad. And since we really didn't know too many people there, we ended up hanging out the entire night, staying up the entire morning, eating about three pounds of gummy bears together. And in the morning when we see the sun rising, we said, hey, let's go jump on the trampoline because we're kids. So we wanted to go jump on the trampoline. And as we're doing this, jumping on the trampoline, there's a meadow and we see this mama deer and this fawn walk across the meadow. And I'm like, this is adorable. Like Nicholas Sparks could have been anything better than this. <laughs> and from that moment on, we've been best friends. He was one of the groomsmen in my wedding and I was one of the groomsmen in his wedding. You never, sometimes the people that are in our lives during really challenging times are people that we would never expect. People that we would never think are going to be there to support us during the Myers. But there's also people that we totally anticipate will be there joining us. Right? If community is what gets us through hard times, there's going to be people that we really think are going to be there. As we look here in uh, David's list of mighty men in 2 Samuel 23, verses 8 through 39, we see a long list of the people that were there with David in the wilderness and there with David as he was king. And a lot of these people are Israelites who have been there who would, we fully would anticipate being with David. They're the tried and true homies. We know they're going to be there when life gets hard. Yet some of the people in this list are Gentiles. People who, their countries are actually against Israel and everything. You would, you would never anticipate the king of a country having these people with him. You anticipate your fellow citizens, but through David's time in the wilderness, 
Some of these people were there with him. The destitute. Those who you would never anticipate, but David honored their commitment. He was friends with them their entire life, and they got him through everything. We see the outsiders becoming insiders, and we see the community sustains David. And when I read this, I think this is a foreshadowing of what the church should look like. Us, all united about our one king, Jesus Christ, we're different races, socioeconomic statuses, nationalities, everything. We're supposed to be this diverse body of Christ. We have one Lord, one spirit, one baptism. We're serving our king faithfully. When I read this story, we, this is what we should be like. But if you're anything like me, this, this may not be your experience in church. You may have been, been hurt by the church. You may have been hurt in a, in a community where you felt like you were loved and cared for and accepted. But then someone turns on you. Someone begins to gossip about you. Someone is selfish towards you. Eugene Peterson says this quote as he's talking about uh, David's life, um, specifically this story of him being in the wilderness with his friends. He says this quote right here. In no area is disappointment or dissatisfaction of the spiritual life as frequent as the experience or inexperience of community. We've all felt this, right? We've all felt community where we felt like we're part of a family. And that family turns on you. We all have this longing to be in community because the God that created us is a relational God. He wants to be in relationship with us. He's, really, he's in a relationship with himself and the Trinity. And he's created us to have this desire to be part of a bigger community. We want to be known and know other people around us. And we were made with that inside of us. So when this longing that we have is not met, it's one of the most challenging and hard things. Some of us, as I said, feel this way about the church. And if, and if that's your experience, I want you to know I, I hear you, I understand. That was my experience. There was a point in my life where I had nothing, I didn't even want to go into ministry because I had no issue with God, but I had an issue with Christians and his followers. I want you to know I hear you if you come with that pain and that background and that baggage. I get it. We've all felt it. We've all experienced it. But I want to encourage you, and this has been my experience, and I think this is what the Bible teaches, is that our faith cannot be lived in isolation. Our faith has to be lived in a community of us gathering around together and serving Christ and growing in our faith. Our faith cannot be separated from the community of people that we gather with. For David, it was so important for him to have these community around him and with him to get through these times. And for us, it's so important for us. We need that. And of course, the church is going to be messy when it comes to community. We're all coming in with our own baggage, with our own hurt feelings. We're a group of sinners who's received grace. And when we gather, of course, it's going to be challenging, but we need to embrace it. We need to embrace this. And I think especially now we have to embrace it, right? 
as we're making our way through, and I don't know when the official end date of the COVID pandemic is, but all of our community was ripped away from us. It was taken away from us really quickly. Not because of, of anything happening that we have done, but because it was necessitated for us. Our relationship with our family has been turned from physical to distant. Our relationship with our friends turned into Zoom calls and online happy hours. We were forced to be separated from those in community with us. That takes a toll on us, right? And some of us may have jumped out of COVID and as the mandates ended, jumped in two feet of we have this friend group, this is where we're at. But some of us haven't. So I'm going to do a quick poll real quick. Raise your hand if you move to Denver, move back to Denver in 2020 or 2021. You can put your hand a little bit higher. There's some of us in this room, right? There's some of us in this room that are trying to find our place. That are looking to set roots in a community, in the work that we have, in the city that we're in, and, and in this church. So today, I want to do something a little bit different for, for the remainder of this time. I could stand up here and talk about community a long time. My, my job description is resident of community life. I love community. I love planning events for community. But I think it feels a little weird if we don't practice it together. Uh, this was the first time in 11 years that we didn't do a greeting after the first song I heard, which is crazy, and that was intentional. Um, for the next few minutes, I want to do something a little bit different. If you're from a tradition, it's called the passing of the peace. If you're from a a denomination that does that, if you haven't, what this is, we're going to stand up here in a minute, and we're going to spend three to four minutes, sorry, four to five minutes, standing and talking to people around you, getting to know them, hearing their story. Maybe if you're really involved in New Denver Church, you feel like you have a good community, I want to challenge you to go and talk to someone that you don't know. Maybe this is your first time here at the church And I get this may be a little uncomfortable and weird, but I think this is a great time to chat with someone, to get some insider information of what their experience has been here. Or maybe, as my wife says, you have a friend crush on somebody and you haven't been able to schedule a time to meet. This is a great time to actually schedule a time to go and connect. If If you're listening online this morning, I want to challenge you to text or to call someone that's been in your life that you really care for and love, but you just haven't reached out in a while. After, after we do this, we're going to get up, we're going to gather together, we're going to say a prayer that's been said through thousands of years together. We're going to sing another song. But I want to encourage us all, everyone, stand up right now. And I want us to go and to talk and actually practice what living in community means. So everyone, let's, let's begin passing the peace together.
All right, everyone. If we can just start bringing it back in here for, for one second. Yeah. We, we all can just stay standing. We don't have to sit down. Sorry, Wilsons. I know, I know. Um, wow, that was really cool. I mean, it was great to hear everyone chatting and hearing the voices go around. For, for this next little bit of time as we end the service, we want to do two things together. We, as we just talked and met some new people in this community, we really want to say a prayer. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. And as we say the Lord's Prayer, let us remember that there's Christians all around the world that are saying this prayer together with us. There's people throughout the last 2,000 years have been saying this prayer when they gather to worship. And as we say it today, I want us, as Kevin Hart would say, say it with your chest. Let's say it a little bit louder than we normally do. Let's, let's say this prayer together in community and let's let this prayer go up to the Lord. And then as we do that, as we end, Adam and, and Brian will lead us in another song. Let's do it. Our Father, who art in heaven,